We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Mandek, who will get you caught up on all things Wildcats from a collective perspective that can't be found anywhere else. The latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by 360 Vodka. And now, the latest on K-State Athletics. Welcome into another Three Maw Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined by Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. We do not at DY today, but uh, that's okay because we have a very special guest instead of Derek Young. we got Kevin Sutton from the K-State basketball staff. He is the director of strategies with uh, K-State basketball, longtime assistant, uh, 36 years of coaching experience, elite high school head coach. He's had 15 years as a Division I assistant going into this year with K-State and uh, very excited to get his perspective on the Cats and what's happening with this team now. They got a really nice win on Saturday, 61-55 over Iowa State. K-State projected as a three seed by the NCAA selection committee. Really not even a projection. They're the ones that handle it, right? So that, that a lot of good news uh, flowing for the Cats ever since Saturday. Before we get to Coach Sutton, do have to remind you, make sure to get your 360 vodka, your Ben Holiday bottle of Bond bourbon ready to go next time you're watching the Cats or any occasion for that matter. If you are a bourbon guy, definitely go the Ben Holiday bottle of Bond bourbon route. 360 vodka there to help you out as well. Holiday Distillery, great sponsors of the pod and uh, great K-State folks as well who help us out so support those who support us and uh we've certainly been supporting uh kevin sutton and the cats all year long appreciate you hopping on with us coach uh just tell me what what this first year has been like for you with uh with coach tang and company in the little app uh well first and foremost thanks for having me on uh, you know I, I do a lot of podcasts but this is one of one of the podcasts that i wanted to do i told cole every time I, actually i tell cole every time i see him I'm like hey man when are you gonna have me on like that, and finally made it happen. So I'm super excited to to have this opportunity to be on with you guys today. Uh, this year has just been absolutely uh, tremendous. Um, I've had the pleasure of knowing uh, you know Coach Tang for the better part of 25 years. Uh, you know, we first met at Five Star Basketball Camp um, as high school coaches, and then we just remained you know friends and stayed in contact with each other. And we both followed our career paths. You know, at the high school ranks of developing high school programs and then moved on to the collegiate ranks. And then we both moved up the proverbial uh, coaching ladder and we just stayed in contact. And then, you know, we uh, had an opportunity last spring when when Jerome took the uh, took the job here at K-State and they offered me the position that I have here to today. And uh, I just jumped at the opportunity to join his staff because I 
believe in him um, as a leader first and foremost, and then, then I, I, I listened to his uh, his uh, press conference and and knew knew of his vision uh, to come here to elevate a program, and I just wanted to be a part of it. So I'm just uh, this first year has just been tremendous. You bring up how far you go back with him. I was going to ask about that, but uh, <laughs> along those same lines. Like Yurik and Jareem, when we've had them on the pod before, they kind of talked about like, hey, I always knew in the back of my mind I'd probably wind up on a on a staff with him someday when he took a head coaching job. It was it a, a situation like that where you you knew all along, hey, if if this guy, if and when uh, he takes a head coaching job, this this might be something I do. Um, I, I would be less than honest to say that. I mean, I, Jerome and I've always had a really good relationship, but this business is. Uh, a tough business and you know but he's a likable person and he he met a lot of people along his coaching path and so did so have I um I I I do believe that in destiny and we're both Christians and I believe in fate uh so the good lord put us back to you know put us together um and I'm really glad to have this opportunity to be a part of this this entire staff because we have an outstanding staff well, you spent most of your career on the uh, the East Coast, though, Coach. Was there was there any hesitation when Manhattan, Kansas, and you know, coming from Florida to to Manhattan? What was the thought process when when he offered you the job? Yeah, absolutely. I've spent the uh, majority of my coaching career on, on on the East Coast and the Northeast, as well as the Southeast, and you know, and this is the furthest west that I bring and brought my uh, career and brought my family. So it was a lot of uh, nights where my family and I sat together and we prayed and talked about this and and what it would look like but when you have an opportunity to uh you know come to a big tw- i mean come to a power five school and to come to the big 12 which is is without question the, the best you know college uh, conference in the country uh, right now and then when you have an opportunity to get on the ground level with a person like jerome tang and you listen to his press conference and you you hear him talk about his vision and how he plans on building this program and then you remember back to the days where we were both young coaches, aspiring coaches, trying to, you know, break into this business. And you see uh, a lot of similarities to his thought processes you know, between then and now. Um, yeah, I definitely wanted to be a part of this uh, from the, the inception. And I'm, I'm really glad I made the decision to join his staff this year. Well, what what have your impressions been? You you and your wife's impressions of of Manhattan and the people here and and game days and Bramlage Coliseum. Oh, it's it's been fantastic. Um, you know, I I I, got, I came out here first, you know, and just to see the facilities and, and know that you're in a you know Power Five school and uh, in a great conference like the Big Twelve, and then just to go out on the, and, and on recruiting trips and you know on campus and take our recruits to the football stadium and then see the the the, the the atmosphere up on the screen and then listen to the people talk about how it's going to be. It was just really, really exciting. So I would go home and tell my wife and my oldest, your oldest son, you know, like this is going to be fantastic football season is going to be like, we always wanted it to be to go see big time football, you know, and then basketball games are going to be super excited. Um, Cause I, I, I actually came out here when I was an assistant at George Washington university and we, we played against um, K-State when Frank Martin was the coach. So I, I had experienced the, the octagon of doom. So I knew what it, what it, what it looked like then. Um, so, but to, to be here now, um, to be here, to be here now and have be a part of it and see the sellout crowds. It's just been fantastic. Um, it's, it's something that I'll, I will always cherish. 
with the the title director of strategies, I'm sure there's a lot that can fall under that. But for those that aren't as as familiar, you know, with what your role is here on the staff, like when take us through what the what the day to day is like for you on the staff. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's the director of strategy title is is a title that's uh, is very vast and, and broad. Um, so I'm involved with uh, the, the the formation of the game plans, obviously scouting responsibilities. Um, but primarily with the the, the skill development uh, piece of our program, which is very important, and Coach Tang brought from um, Baylor. Um, so that's primarily what my job is, um, is to make sure that we continue to improve our, our student athletes and, and the ones that are playing, as well as our, our red shirts like, you know, um, Jarrell Coleman, um, Anthony Thomas, um, Taj Manning, uh, and then run the scout teams, you know, and, and so that's a big part of what my job is as well as help in the formation of practices and the game plans for for our team. When you talk about this coaching staff and really the team as a whole, I mean, one thing that <clears throat> struck us, I think I can speak for us uh, in saying that right away, is just how together everybody is, how unified everybody seems to be, just how tight like, like everybody is on the coaching staff and with the crew. You're a guy that's been an assistant a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. How how rare is that? How how unique is what what K State has with both the staff and and the players? I I apologize. Oh, no problem. Just, yeah. yeah. How how unique is what what you guys have with the relationship going on between not just you guys as coaches, but with coaches and players, just like a, a family environment with the coaching staff. Yeah, I think it speaks volumes to who Jerome Tang is as a person, first and foremost, and then everyone believes in his. Uh, his leadership philosophy and style. Um, and then also it speaks volumes to his ability to, to, uh, recruit, um, he's an outstanding recruiter, um, and has been for a number of years. And so, you know, you can tell and see a lot of thought has gone into the, the putting together our staff. And, uh, and what the other thing that you can see is that everyone is definitely, uh, you know, all, all in, you know, we're, we're all into to making sure that, that, you know, Jerome's first year, you know, here at K-State is a successful year as we move forward to building a successful program. And, uh, but I, I, I'd say that it goes back to him as a person and then second, him as a leader. And then obviously, you know, his ability to coach. So all those things that we believe in, we want to support him and make sure that he is, uh, you know, doing and fulfilling his dream, you know, as he's waited, you know, 19 years as an assistant. And this is his first year as a head coach. So the fulfillment of his dream is something that we all want to be a part of. Coach, looking at the on-the-court success, when you just look at Saturday against Iowa State, just how big was that effort, especially in the second half and getting that win? Oh, it was, it was absolutely huge um, because, like we all know, night in and night out here in the, in the Big 12, you know, every game is competitive. Um, and I tell all my friends, I said, I've been in the ACC, I've been in the Big East, I've been in a lot of great conferences, Atlantic 10 twice. I said, but there, there's no league like the Big 12. Um, and just take, for example, you know, uh, we went down to Texas Tech and, and, and came up short. <laughs> and then we uh, come home and go back and fly down to Oklahoma and then don't play well down at Oklahoma. And those two teams were, you know, in, in the bottom of the, of the conference. But now you see Texas Tech has won four games and just recently went into Morgantown and won a huge game there. And then Oklahoma turns right back around and goes on the road and takes Texas into overtime. So for for us to come out on the winning end against a very good Iowa State team that does that beat us first and foremost in, in, in Iowa early this year, 
Um, and then, you know, runs a good offense and has outstanding talent. You know, it was huge. It was huge for us to come back home and to get a win. And I'm really happy that we did. And I really believe that this is going to be the, the, the what's going to catapult us, hopefully, as we continue to play out our, our, our regular season and go into the Big 12 tournament and then, and then hopefully um, go far in the NCAA tournament. Look, I don't, I don't have to tell you this, but but everybody in this league has had rough stretches and skids, right? Uh, you can go through the best teams in the league, and Kansas included, Baylor. Everybody's had a rough stretch, but it, you guys are no different than that as well. You guys just went through that rough stretch. What was what was that like these last three or so weeks? And did confidence in the guys did they did they ever lose confidence? Did you guys have to fight to keep the emotional highs and keep them lifted, or or how were they? How did everyone respond to that? Um, you know what I, I think Coach Tang said the best is you know these, these are life experiences you know because we you know got off to a you know a great start you know we exceeding some people's expectations we we always knew that we we had uh, talent um, and you know we it was a rough period without question because we didn't play our our best and uh, in the other and the league is so competitive. Uh, but we had to continue to do and and control the things that we could control, and, and I know that sounds like a cliche, but it was absolutely what we had to had to do. And and it, and I I hearken back to uh, Coach Tang's leadership ability. Um, he did a tremendous job of leading our team, and uh, he has a tremendous amount of emotional intelligence, and he uses it often, you know, with our team in terms of motivating and keeping those guys locked into what is the, the what is what has always been our number one objective. You know, is to continue to get better and go one and zero each day, and just to get you know one percent better, just one percent better. So we had to probably, you know, go back to the basics, and then uh, get one percent better with that mindset. And we did that, and we shortened practices, and we did some things that will enable our our team to hopefully mentally, physically, spiritually continue to uh, get back on the right track. Yeah, I want to hit on that. Uh, Coach Tang mentioned in the, the post-game press conference the other night that, yeah, that was something he felt like really helped. You, you guys didn't have the legs necessary against Oklahoma and Tech. What was the conversation like? How difficult is that as a coaching staff to try and decide, like, okay, are we leading into, like, hey, we're not getting the effort we want, we need to work these guys harder, versus maybe it's time to pull back here at, at this point in the season? How tough is that as a staff? Oh, it's very tough, and and it happens all, all the time in, in sports and in, in basketball in, in particular, because this is the sport that, that, uh, that we're talking about, but it, it happens all the time. And as a coach, you have to uh, listen to your staff and coach Tang does a tremendous job of including our in staff at the input of our staff. And he listens. And there are sometimes there is, you could see that he come, he's come in and done, done, done the evaluation and he wants to you know, get into do, doing something in his mind that he wants to do. Uh, and then he'll listen and throw it out to our staff and then we'll talk it over and flip it around. And then you can also see his mind is turning like, well, maybe we might need to go in a different direction. You know, now that I've, I've taken in a little bit more input from our staff. And, uh, and I think that's where we do a tremendous job of, uh, you know, in, in private, we have our discussions, but in public, we're, we're on a united front. And so when we came out to our team, we decided on some changes that needed to be made. And we made those necessary changes, and, and the credit goes to to our team because they believe in us as a staff, and they went out there and uh, you know bought into it, and, and then they they went out and performed. Well, on that on that note, coach uh, Coach Tang, I think John and I were actually driving home together from the TCU game, and we were listening to the press conference of Coach Tang a couple weeks ago after that game, and Coach Tang said 
he can be a jackal if he wants. And after that Texas game, he became a jackal, and uh, it was not a, a fun couple of days for the guys. So I'm curious, just a, a fun question here, what is the jackal version of Coach Tang like? Because we, we don't see that necessarily. So what's that version of him like? What was those couple? What were those couple days like? Uh, it, it was interesting to say the least because I had never seen that uh, that side of you know Coach Tang before. So I was uh, I was right along with the players. It's just you know uh, under, I understood from my maturity standpoint and had been a head coach, former head coach myself, knowing that you have to you know change your personality sometimes and, and get to the kids to understand that uh, uh, we got to get back on the right track. Um, but it was really interesting. You know, uh, uh, you know, Coach Tang uh, came out of character, if you will. Uh, but it, was, it wasn't it was anything that uh, uh, that I had not seen before uh, from other coaches. And it was a little surprising to see it from him, per se. But it wasn't anything that was wild and extreme, uh, you know, uh, that – that people would think that, oh, my God, you know, Coach Tang lost his mind. No, he was in total control and they knew what he wanted, exactly the message that he wanted to send to our team. And uh, they received it in, in, the, in the, the way that they were supposed to in a mature fashion. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. I was going to ask about Marquise. It was great to see him get going again from three-point range or nine against Iowa State. And, it, you know, it seems like teams changed the way that they were defending him after that just red-hot start where he was playing like a national player of the year there for the first six or seven games of the conference season. What has that adjustment been like for him and for you guys as a staff to kind of see how teams have shifted the way they played, both him and and Keontae, frankly, after the the starts that they had? Oh, absolutely. I mean, our, our league is, is a copycat league, and uh, but our league has outstanding coaches uh, in, in this league. And then we also have some outstanding players that have high basketball IQs and they watch and they see what's going on and, and they see who's playing well. And, 
and they look and see if there's a, a, a way that they can, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, Marquise or Keontae don't have, don't have big games against them, you know? And so uh, it's been an adjustment period, but both of them are mature enough to handle it that, you know, Hey, every time I catch the ball, get a ball screen, they're going to try to double team me. Every time I catch the ball on the block, they're going to try to, you know, Keontae's going to be doubled here. You know, so they they're understanding. They got to trust their teammates even more. They got to make the next right play. Uh, and but it was really good to see both of them uh, play uh, on their play on Saturday, uh, which was you know back to I guess you say back to a level of normalcy that 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 they had brought from earlier in the, in the year. But uh, got a great deal of help from their teammates, which um, is always helpful um, when you're being the top dog on the everyone scouting report. You know, it's always helpful when you get uh, uh, contributions from other uh, other players on your team so that they can't totally uh, strategize against you. So uh, Marquise is a, has a high basketball IQ, and Keontae has seen double teams before, and they've made the necessary adjustments to, to have success on Saturday. Well, on that note, Coach, you know, thinking about Keontae, and look, John can attest to this. I'm the biggest critic of college basketball officiating uh, that there is, and I'm not going to – not going to ask you to comment on anything that's going to get you in trouble, but when you think about Keontae and, and some of the charge calls that have been called against him, has that forced him to change the way that he's playing and kind of his mindset a little bit, have to adjust with some of these guys? Uh, I don't, I'll just be flat out honest, some guys <laughs> flopping, flopping and getting the reward of the call against Keontae when he's just bigger and stronger. I mean, how, how has that impacted him and how he's playing? Well, he's had to be smarter. He's had to recognize that. You know, and, and and every game is officiated differently, um, Cole, uh, and, and I think you know that. So as a player, you have to see how the game is going to be officiated. Um, you know, one thing that we do a great job of here is understanding who our officials are going to be, you know, and, and, and we kind of track, you know, them as officials and watch how many games that they, you know, call and how they call games. You know, some games they, 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 they call it very tight. Other games, they they let they let far more go go on. So we try to educate our players uh, about that, you know. And Keontae's had to make the adjustment, you know, to how the game is being officiated. You know, if it's if it's uh, a a closely officiated game, then no, you're not going to be able to to to, to drive in there. Um, you have to rely on you know other aspects of your game. But if it's a game where you can drive down there. And, and if they're not going to call those type of fouls, then, then then you make that adjustment as well, and you drive the ball far, you know, a lot more than you settle for your mid range or your long range game. We're going to have to have an off the record conversation sometime about the the whole <laughs> the whole officiating scouting report. That that sounds that, that's right up my alley. So I was going to say, first of all, I feel like Cole could could just do that for you. I don't know if that's a, <laughs> if you have a if you have a role at a free. If you guys want to add a, a staff role that can be like director of basketball officiating for the staff, like I'd be happy to track that stuff for you guys because I'm already doing it. Coach, I used to go to a I used to go to a website called website called statsheet.com and I would I would track all the officials in college basketball and how many technicals they would call, how many fouls per game they would get called in their game and then see who was officiating our game. And I was just a big nerd like that, all right? And so um, like I, before the games, I always tell John, I'm like, look, like, here's the three refs today. I name them. And he's, he's always like, oh, is there a single ref that you like? Uh, 
there's there's a couple but anyways uh, I, I digress cold i i'll make sure that you know that coach knows that 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 you are a numbers guy because he's a numbers guy so you know with all these age hey, with all these analytics going why not have a you know a guy who's in charge of I'm already, doing, I'm already doing it too so like might as well just I, i'll just be a consultant you don't have to have me full time i'll just i'll send you guys text messages emails breakdowns i love it we can we can add it to, we can add it to the scout report there we go man i'm getting getting cold an extra job here yesterday love it uh hey i want to you know you mentioned working that a big part of your job is working skill development with the, the younger guys that are redshirting right now. And we heard Coach Tang uh, speak up about Taj Manning pretty strongly the other day, saying that he's yeah. going to be an all-Big 12 player at some point here. Yeah. You know, for guys like he and Jarrell that you're working with that are younger, like what, what are you seeing from those guys right now? And why why, why does Coach Tang say that about Taj? What are you, what are you seeing out of him? Um, well, first and foremost, uh, as we all know, Coach Tang is a, a an outstanding evaluator of talent. <laughs> that's first and foremost. So that that statement is, is, is an accurate um, what I'm seeing on a consistent daily basis from Jarrell, Dorian Finister, Anthony Thomas, um, you know, uh, Taj Manning, you know, uh, all those guys on a consistent basis, you know, they, they work extremely hard and you see them continue to, to grow as players. Uh, they're physically, they're growing. They, 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 they work hard in, 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 with, uh, in the weight room with Phil, our strength and conditioning coach. You know, and it's translated over to the to their game. And then just think about it for a second here. You know, every day Taj Manning has the opportunity to go uh, up against, you know, Keontae, you know, Keontae Johnson. You know, so we, we all know that Keontae is a very, very talented player. First person of all league player and possibly, you know, hopefully, uh, uh, you know, an NBA, you know, draft pick. So for Taj to have that opportunity to guard him every day and then on the other, on the flip side, go against him and have, you know, Keontae guard him. It's only going to make him better, you know. Seeing the old Bible passage of you know, iron sharpens iron, and the same thing with with Jarrell. You know, Jarrell has to go uh, every day in practice. He got to go against, you know, uh, you know David. He's got to go against Naquan. He's got to go against Bebe, and all three of those are different types of players. So he's just making the adjustment um, and adjusting to his game, and he's adding strength and he's and again gaining maturity um, and physical maturity. Um, and he's able to now make plays and uh, practice on a consistent basis. Dorian Finister the exact same way. I mean, how, how about you? Your part of your job is to to, to guard, you know, uh, you know, Marquise Noel <laughs> every every day in practice. You know, where you got to guard Desi or you got to guard Cam. Um, you're going to get better. And then on the flip side of that, they work on their offensive skills and their shooting. And, and but the physical uh, maturation is what's really is what I'm seeing on a daily basis that's a, a really added to their game. And I would agree with Coach Tang 1,000%. By the time that uh, Todd graduates from K-State, I think Todd will be, you know, an all-Big 12 player. We've brought up a couple times the three seed coming out from the committee already here. And, you know, I can remember Jareem even saying at one point, like, man, I, that he didn't exactly expect this level of success this fast that you guys have put together this year just in context of the entire season i know you're kind of in the the thick of it right now the heat of the moment but can you take a step back and reflect on i mean we're sitting here in late february you guys are being picked last in the league only two yeah. players from last year you're you're a three seed according to the committee right now i did you expect that this kind of success this fast um uh, no i i didn't i would be you know less than honest to say hey you know i knew this was what was what was going to happen 
what I did know um, was that the, the things that we were doing and putting into place were the right things that were going to uh, build a program that was going to be that was going to have success and then have the ability to sustain that success. You know, because I've been around programs as assistant head, assistant head coach and associate head coach, and then eventually becoming a head coach all at the high school level of how to build programs and put systems in place and build foundational, you know, uh, you know build the foundation. And I saw all of that. I saw, you know, Jerome's thinking, I saw Jerome's vision, and then uh, I saw how he systematically, we were putting things in place. And then uh, um, confidence was, was a huge thing. You know, the, the consistency of Coach Tang's words and his actions from day one have led to everyone uh, having confidence, you know, and believing in him when he says that we're going to be successful or we're going to do this. And so our kids were no different. They, they, they believed in, you know, Coach from the beginning. And then once they believed in him, they started to buy into what we were teaching them because it was sound and it was right. And, uh, and then it just helped lead to, to us being successful on the court. And then once we, you know, start playing on the court and having success on the court, it led to us being more competent, you know, in our abilities. And then uh, we're sitting here right now, like you said, uh, in a great spot. Um, and hopefully we do end up with a, with a with a three seed in the NCAAs in our first year, and that would be nothing short than remarkable. I mean, it'd be amazing, Coach. Uh, we covered the team. I covered the team in 2009-10 when K-State was a two seed, and you have to go back. I mean, that's the highest seed K-State's had in the NCAA tournament in about 30 years, and you guys are right there on the doorstep of being at a, a two seed level. You know, when K-State won a share of the Big 12 title in 12-13 and 18-19, they were a four seed both times so take that into context of what you guys are doing and the high quality wins that you have on your resume it's really remarkable what you guys have done as a staff and i hope all of you know how much we appreciate um everything that you guys do you're, you're heck you're, you're great human beings you're great people but uh you've done a heck of a job coaching well, these guys as well well uh, thank you very much you know cole uh, for for all of that the support has been you know unbelievable but when you just put the uh, all of that in perspective with those numbers, that that's uh, that's a heck of an accomplishment and, and it's something that we don't take lightly, and we certainly don't take the support uh, lightly that we we've given, we we've been given through you know the Kansas State you know uh, the fan base. So we really appreciate it. Well, and, and circling back to the player development angle, coach. So you guys have, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have five graduate assistants on staff. We, we do. We have we have five graduate assistants uh, that are eventually going to be outstanding coaches. Um, they work extremely hard, you know, that and and in school, and also, uh, you know, here, you know, uh, in, in, within our basketball program. So yes, we do, and um, and and they're eventually are going to have uh, great careers in 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 the business of, of of basketball. I'm not whether it be coaching or in the front office or in scouting, you know, at the collegiate level or and or at the professional level. They all have bright futures. Well, and I was going to ask, I mean, that's that's obviously a critical part of the player development, I assume, as well, because those guys can be in the gym with your your players as much as possible anytime they want to be in the gym. And I, I think that's also part of your role. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you work with those GAs and make sure they're, they're pushed up. A a absolutely. Um, you know, uh, the, the rule just passed by the NCAA. So now uh, starting July 1, I can actually be out on the floor. Um, and that's the, one of the primary reasons why I accepted the job from you know Coach Tang because we knew the rule was going to pass. We just didn't know when. Um, we were both hopeful that it was going to pass right away. 
Um, but it, it, nonetheless, it passed. It, it passed in January and will be it go in effect in July. So then I actually will be out on the court with the players. Uh, but our back to the, the GAs. So this whole year, I spent a great deal of time with them. You know, talking about what individual players need um, and then how what they need to work on uh, before the season and season and then in a, and then postseason. And uh, they do it. They do a great job. And then I give them enough. I, I, my term is I give them enough room. Uh, uh, a, run, a runway so they can land the plane. So I give them parameters as to, you know, the, you should be working on that. Dorian should be working on this. You know, Jarrell should be working on that. And then I give them enough latitude that they come up with drills, you know, to to, to meet the objective. Um, but then certainly I will, you know, talk them through, you know, uh, workouts and how to, you know, structure the workouts so we can get to gain the most benefit in the, in their, in the players because that's what their, their job in, is to make sure that they're available and accessible so whenever the players want to get into the gym they can get into the gym with a uh, a graduate assistant a manager and, and and actually work on their games because that's what you know we want is you know to to not to you know recruit through the transfer portal all the all the time we want to develop uh, you know uh, players they come here as freshmen you know and you know and and, and develop them through our our player development system yeah, we have in place. Well, make sure to tell my guy Curtis Kelly hi for me. That was uh, man. We Cole and I were both like I was in school when when he was, yeah. in school, and uh, man, love Jacob pulling to death. But yeah. I Kurt Kurt was my dude, man. I've still got to get in my closet somewhere. So, yeah, uh, love, hey love Kurt, like Kurt, I will certainly do that. Kurt is Kurt's one of the best. He's going to graduate this spring, which is an, an outstanding accomplishment, um, and he's going to be at out standing coach he has a great feel for the game high basketball iq and uh but he also has a great feel and, and the finger on the pulse of how the players think um and so he's able to also uh which is really good he can get out there and, and they don't they, they can't figure it out he can show them so it's a great date too uh but Curtis Curtis doing a Curtis done a great job and, and i'm really really proud of him so when he graduates in spring you don't don't be surprised to see that he'll he'll be on someone's staff uh, at a, this this spot you know moving into the to, to the next year. So, well, before I let you go, I mean I, I've been enjoying asking this to all you guys that are relatively new to Manhattan. I mean Cole and I have spent a ton of time there. I spent the better part of a decade and a half there. Where, where's your where's your favorite spot in uh, in Manhattan? Whether that's like a like a bite to eat place to hang out, whatever it might be. Um, you know what I'm I'm, I'm probably uh biased to, to, to Aggieville you know uh my, my son you know, he loves going down there my son and daughter you know going down to Aggieville um I don't really have a, a you know a, a favorite spot if you if you would I, I do like uh you know uh Colbert Hills I like that a lot and then the the, the winery uh yeah. to, going out to the winery in, in you know in the fall and then certainly I'm waiting for it in the spring and being up there up there to to, to have a glass of wine with my wife and and family and overlook the uh, the vineyards and you know and see the beautiful landscape. Uh, um, so those would be my favorite favorite spots. You got to nail down pretty well. Sounds like uh, sounds like you know Manhattan. Uh, hey, coach, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Congratulations on uh, all the success that you've had this year, and best of luck moving forward, man. We can't wait to watch how you guys finish this out. Uh, again, thank you so much for having me on. This has been a, a blast. Um, like I said, I've always been telling Cole for for a couple of weeks, months now. I was like, man, you got to get me on there. You got to get me on there. And uh, I'm really glad that he did. And thanks so much for having me because this has been a, a lot of fun. I uh, really enjoy talking, you know, 
hoops and uh, K-State basketball with, with knowledgeable people. So thanks so much. You are listening to KC Sports Network, your home for the best coverage on your favorite local teams. Whether you're a Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, KC Current, K-State, KU, or Mizzou fan, we've got you covered. Find KCSN on your favorite podcast platform. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, that is Kevin Sutton. Uh, Pleasure to have him on the podcast here today. Director of Strategy on the K-State men's basketball staff. Um, I mean, look, I I just love, obviously, a very affable guy, great personality, but being able to have a guy who's been an assistant at Georgetown, George Washington, I mean, just a ton of places over a 15-year career in Division I basketball and then has worked with elite-level high school players. To to just have that guy on staff as the Director of Strategy, I think, is a uh, really valuable point to accentuate here about this staff and what coach tang has done with everybody that he's brought in here i mean it's just the depth of, of coaching talent they have on the staff is is pretty incredible so uh yeah i think that the, like a lot of people have noticed cole like there are a lot more seats on the bench uh this time around than there were under under bruce weber and we've seen this for years with guys like chris beard i can remember watching beard come into bramwich a couple of years ago at texas tech and be like man he has like 30 guys on staff like how i think there, there are obvious benefits to it and we're seeing that we're seeing that play out I mean, I think it's an absolutely huge hire, like getting Kevin Sutton on the staff. I remember when we saw pictures of him visiting Manhattan that were circulating as Coach Tang was putting his staff together. And, you know, you're looking at some of these guys that are leaving full-time assistant coaching positions on staffs at Division One schools to come to Kansas State. And, you know, some of them have come and support staff. Like you've got Marco Bourne, who left an assistant coaching position at Alcorn State to become the director of basketball operations, Anthony Winchester, I want to say left an assistant coaching job at Southern Mississippi to join the staff and, and his role as well. So you just have such a highly qualified staff of, of talented individuals with tons of experience. Uh, it's just the right blend and mix uh, that you would want and uh, love this staff. And I can't say enough good things about Coach Sutton and and all this staff. But I mean, like you said a couple of weeks ago when you tweeted it, John, I mean, this, this staff is full of amazing human beings and... Uh, they're just, they're great, great people. Uh, not only are they great at what they do, but they they totally get it. Um, I've gotten to experience it firsthand, but they they engage with kids. They engage with all of the fan base. They'll wait around. They'll take pictures. They'll sign autographs. I was on the court 20 minutes after the game on Saturday against Iowa State, and Coach Tang waited around, took pictures, signed everyone's jerseys that was there waiting for him. The players did the same. And you know that, it, that it's just it's, it's special. Like you don't get that everywhere, and, and these guys completely understand how to engage with the fan base, and and it just makes all the more fun when they're winning. Yeah, you were correct about uh, Anthony Winchester, by the way. Says uh, says the internet's. So all right, yeah, really, really appreciate Kevin Sutton and and obviously the entire coaching staff, especially because uh, they beat Iowa State. That is that is always a good thing. Sixty one fifty five of Ramlage, and uh, man, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I, I felt bad. My, my poor guy Joe, who uh, helps out with my YouTube channel a little bit as a moderator with the chats, like he saw me at halftime, Cole, and you obviously saw me at halftime. I sat behind you for the first half, and then changed changed the juju in the second half, and went and sat somewhere else, and it worked. So I will just point that out. But I mean, I was pissed. Like I, I was just, it's been a really rough couple of weeks, you know, to watch the team. And I, I look fully get the context. Texas Tech's playing much better. Oklahoma. They're not horrendous losses, but it was really frustrating to watch them take those back-to-back losses, and then you score 23 points in the first half against Iowa State, and you're thinking, like, man, 
this just feels kind of like the same old, same old, but they, they ratcheted up that defensive intensity in the second half. Marquise hit a couple of outside shots after he went 0 for 3 from the field in the first half, and it was really all it took. Um, you know, I guess to me, the bigger picture question is like, was that a turning point or was that energy of the home crowd combined with knocking down a few shots, beating a team that is kind of slumping itself a little bit in Iowa State, or is this, you know, hey, this team is, is back to what we thought they were before? Either way, it was just a massive win to get for some good vibes rolling within the program again because there, there had not been many for I mean, that was the biggest thing to me is you just needed these guys to feel better about themselves after losing five of seven games. And it would have been tough to to swallow to lose another one on your home court and, you know, lose six of eight. And then you have Baylor on Tuesday night. So you, you start to look at the schedule and then add Oklahoma State and it starts to look like a gauntlet, you know, to try and get to nine and nine in the Big 12 if you drop one there at home. And uh, big time credit to respond in the second half because – I think most people in the stands were like, here we go again, 31-23. Iowa State's a tremendous defensive team. They're a top 10 defensive team in the country. And an eight-point lead against them with the pace they usually play with is probably more like a 12 or 13-point deficit against most teams because they want to slow it down, they want to run the clock down, and they're a good defensive team. And so to come out of the gate so quickly in the start of the second half and just erase that eight-point lead by the first media timeout was just a huge answer and it really came down you know a lot of it not only good defense but they hit shots uh and they hit four threes they hit they had two in the first half and they hit four threes by the end of the first media timeout out of the gate to start the second half and Marquise obviously had um I think three big ones just in that stretch and the one that he got the friendly roll that rolls in to give him the 37 34 lead Cam Carter hit one as well from the corner they were getting after it on the offensive glass to start the second half. Just just played so hard. And, I mean, you hold Iowa State to a season worst 30% from the floor. The worst they'd shot in a game was 35% from the floor on the year. And um, they really just had a poor shooting performance all around. K-State really responded on the defensive end. And, and I think that's where it started in that second half. Not only did they make some shots, but I think Iowa State was 21-22% overall in that second half um, until that Coucher three that was meaningless at the buzzer. So... They, they they responded at halftime and uh, came out with an answer. And, and actually, I think that is the fourth or fifth time at home they've been down at halftime, John, in Big 12 play and uh, have come back and won the game. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, this one. Um, and then there was there was at least one other one as well that I'm probably blanking on, but uh, West Virginia. So they've responded at halftime at a, at a lot of these games. Yeah, and it's clear the the home crowd makes a definite difference. But I mean, the the defense is really what I think deserves highlighting here. Um, I mean, to, uh, again, to me, it comes down to Marquise hitting shots in the defense. Marquise have been six of thirty one from three. That's nineteen percent as four games before going four of nine on Saturday. This makes a massive difference uh, when when he's knocking down some outside shots and a lot of the looks he's been getting lately had been pretty open. But the defense, I mean, you tweeted it. Season worst thirty one percent shooting for Iowa State. K-State forced 15 turnovers. That turned into 19 points, which I think, you know, you may look at that and be kind of like, all right, 19, that's nice, but it's not overwhelmingly crazy. But you think about a game where you only scored 61 points. I mean, 19 points, it's massive. And Iowa State plays really good defense. They defend the hell out of you in the half court. So when you can get 19 points off of turnovers and get out and run a little bit, uh, it it just makes a, a huge difference in the game. And let's be honest, like this team... Has, has not always been a great defensive team. We've seen some better efforts at, at home defensively, but I don't know that we've seen a half as complete on the defensive end of the floor as what we saw in the second half on Saturday. 
Yeah, two things there. So the turnover front, K-State only turns the ball over 11 times. That's huge because Iowa State is top 10 in the country in turnovers forced with over 17 a game that they forced. So K-State took care of the ball for the most part. Didn't lead to easy baskets for Iowa State, especially in the second half. So that was a big part of it. The defensive end of the floor, you know, and we did the show after the Oklahoma game last week, and we talked about some of the defensive issues in that game. And to be fair, I do want to state... that was more isolated when you look at the whole season overall that this has actually been a really good defensive team. So right now on Ken Palm, K-State ranks 18th in the country. I stand corrected, Cole. My, my, my fault. Well, uh, no, and look, it's easy to to think that way, definitely, because perception is different. But, you know, they were, they're 18th in the country in Ken Palm and defensive efficiency. They have a 93.6 rating. That would be the second best over the last 10 years for K-State basketball in the Ken Palm era. So that's not the whole Ken Palm era, but we know Bruce Weber had some really good defenses. The only one that's been better than that was the 2018-19 defense that had an 88.4 rating when they won the Big 12 title. Uh, And that was a a defense that ranked third in the country in Ken Palm. Now, Weber had also a couple other defenses early in his era that I think were better than this. But I, I just wanted to point that out because as you look at it, in nine of their last 15 games, K-State has held opponents to 9% or worse below their season average from three. K-State, by far and away, is the best three-point defense in Big 12 play. They're holding teams to 28.9%. So that OU game was more of an outlier. And like you can look at the ISU game, you know, 15% overall below their season average for field goal percentage. Texas Tech earlier this year, 14% below their season average. Oklahoma State, 11% below their season average on field goals. We could go on and on down the list. I went through it all. K-State has mostly held teams below their season averages by a significant margin on the defensive end of the floor. So I wanted to be fair to call out that that OU game was more isolated than anything. And Jerome Tang, you know, it sounds like it was a legs. You know, they were tired. You know, that was part of it. So it makes sense because we hadn't seen them like that where they didn't rotate. You know, they, they a lot of open shots that OU had and, and they got that corrected on Saturday and they just played so hard. Yeah, OU, OU definitely looks like an outlier now when you, you know, it's, it's not like the defense was terrible at, at Tech. Um, and even when you consider the fact that they just hadn't been making shots, too, that that also I think you can pretty easily attribute to legs, or certainly that, that would stand to reason that legs would be a part of that. So credit credit Tang and the staff for the, the coaching adjustments. And we just heard Coach Sutton talking about that, too. The, the discussions that they had about deciding to cut practice is shorter, obviously uh, very, very fruitful. Now you move on to play Baylor. Uh, that is not going to be easy. Second half in Allen Fieldhouse notwithstanding, where they just got blitzed uh, by Kansas, playing about as, as good a half as we've seen anybody in the league play this year. Man, that backcourt, I mean, Baylor's got three guards. Uh, obviously started with Flagler that that are just tremendous. And the Cats, I mean, that, that win in Waco, it's funny to look back on it now. I mean, as impressive as anything K-State has done this year, going and winning that game right after the Texas game, that was the, the high water moker really of the season, winning those two games back-to-back. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not crazy optimistic about this one coming up. But if you look at the totality of what K State's done at home this year, I mean, the only loss is a game that they really threw away down the stretch against Texas when they had a 14 point lead. So they, they've been able to handle about anybody in this league inside that building. I mean, I think that's a big thing. Well, I, the betting lines aren't out yet. When people listen to this show, they very well may be. I would expect this to be close to a pick'em. Uh, when that comes out because of the K-State home court advantage. K-State already won in Waco. Now Baylor is playing better. Obviously, they had won, I think, 8 of 9 or 9 of 10 before that KU game. And then, look, we know what happens in in Allen Fieldhouse, and they come out up 16 at one point, and then that second half collapse, and it it just snowballed. And 
it happens there in that building. So I wouldn't take too much away from that. It'll be interesting though, how Baylor responds, um, coming off of that. And so, and they also, they had to travel, I believe they traveled back to Waco probably, and then they got to travel back to Manhattan. There's not a lot of time for them to prep for this game. So, but, but these teams do know each other, obviously Scott Drew knows Jerome Tang, Jerome Tang knows Scott Drew. They've already played each other. So there's a familiarity there in place. Look, I, I think you can make an argument that Baylor's the most talented team in this league. You know, from a pure standpoint, I don't think there's a better trio of guards, and that's not even including Langston Love, who I think is a really nice player as well at the guard position. So this is a really, really good team, and especially on the offensive end. And they have Jonathan Thomas-Thatchua back now. Um, I, I've probably mispronounced that. I just call him Everyday John or JTT, but he is back. He didn't play in the first matchup. He's a really good player, a great story. Uh, he's back for this matchup, and so that's another big that can rotate and switch. He's big for their defense, but this is the number two offense in America in Ken Palm, and so you're going to have to to really guard. Uh, the one benefit that you have is they're, they're not a good defensive team. They're 85th in the country in defensive efficiency, so you're going to be able to score, and we saw K-State score on them in Waco, right? It was 97 points, and the, including the overtime, so I think K-State will have the ability to score on them, it's just going to be a matter of getting stops. And this is a really good shooting team. Baylor can really shoot it from three between Flagler, George, and Cryer. And you got to hope a couple of them have a little bit of off games. And uh, they were 32% in the previous matchup against K-State from three. If you can hold them to something like that, I think K-State's got a really good shot. And if you win, that is uh, tying the score record for ranked wins, correct, at seven? It, it would, uh, for the regular season, according to KSU underscore fan, it would be the most top 25 wins ever in the regular season. It would tie, if you count the Big 12 tournament in 2009-10 season, the Elite, Elite Eight season, uh, that team beat a ranked Baylor team, I believe, in the NCAA tournament, laced Darius Dunn, or in the Big 12 tournament, and that gave them seven. So, yeah, it, uh, it would be quite... Quite another resume builder on this resume. And, you know, you, you think about it, and I know we'll get to this, but you look at that tournament committee, you know, and putting K-State as a three seed going into Saturday, they had Iowa State as a three seed too, just one spot ahead of K-State. And you beat that Iowa State team that's a three seed, so you'd like to think K-State moved up a little bit um, already. And if you beat Baylor, who they have as a two seed, and sweep them on the season, K-State could be flirting with two seed territory at that point. So I, I think you feel really good. The thing I took away from it the most is we just we now know how the committee views K-State um, on their overall body of work. And if they can win even just two more games, I think they're at worst a four seed. Which would be tremendous. Now, you know, to avoid, you know, if we're going to get way deep into the weeds, I, I like the idea of potentially avoiding the one seed and the Sweet 16 if you could get off the four or five. But, I will not be greedy about that because it is unreal that, that we're sitting here at this point talking about what it is that we are. And I still, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm excited as hell about the Iowa State win. I am, I am optimistic uh, about Baylor to an extent. Um, you know, maybe I poo-pooed that a little bit more than I should have earlier in the pond. I mean, they've, they've got a chance, right? They've got a chance, but I, I still do wonder. And to me, Cole, this is a part of what the Baylor game's about. Feels to me sort of like a litmus test game. Like, has this team really found new life and turned themselves back into maybe not the scorching hot machine that they were when they won at Texas and Baylor, but something similar to what we saw in early to mid-January that has the potential of making a really deep run into the tournament, or are they still just kind of stuck in this phase where they're a team that maybe is like round of 32 
uh, sort of ceiling potential and plays much better at home and can beat some good teams at home, but is going to struggle away from from Bramlage Coliseum, kind of the version of the team that we've seen lately. And and really what it reminds me of, I know this is not fair because that this team wound up being an 11 seed in the tournament, but th- there have been, I started thinking, there have been some shades of like the Michael Beasley team, right? Where they started like 5-0 and in Big 12 play, red hot, they beat Kansas, were on top of the world, and then the rest of the year, guard play got really inconsistent. Jacob Pullen was up and down, Clint Stewart was up and down. They couldn't get enough out of the supporting cast for like Beasley and Walker, and they just turned into it. They turned into a round of 32 team that had some nice wins and and still had a nice season, but did not hit that peak that you thought that they might be at at, at one point in time. I don't know what you think of that that comp or or this Baylor game serving as a litmus test as to whether or not you're taking a big step forward. But that's the way I'm kind of viewing it. Right well, now. I, I think if you win, you can definitely view it as a major step forward. And, and I think the one encouraging thing you have here is that each of the last couple of times they had a home game they didn't have a home game to follow it up with where they could bounce back or, or, or build a back-to-back type success performance, right? So you look at the TCU game, they won that. You were hoping they were back on the right track, but then they had to go on the road back-to-back games to Tech and Oklahoma. You know, the Florida game, they then had to go back on the road to, to KU, which we know a hornet's nest it is there. And so I, I think having this game at home, coming off a big, a top 20 win against Iowa State, everyone feeling good again, Hopefully the crowd is in a frenzy. You got a top 10 team coming to Manhattan. K-State's 14th in the polls today. Baylor's number nine. You know, it should be an absolutely electric environment with a chance for K-State to vault potentially back into the top 10 here soon. And so if you come out and play really well, I think there's no question K-State can win this game and, um, you know, have one of the best resumes in college basketball. If you win this game, when you look at high-end resumes, and I'm talking like high-end quad one wins not just any quad one win where you win at a a 60 team in the net or a 65th ranked team in the net on the road k-state would have one of the top resumes in all of basketball and i think this is the type of game you can start to really feel good about this team moving into march if they can pull out a victory you know even if they if baylor just plays lights out out of their minds k-state plays well too i think you can still feel okay um but you just look for k-state to come out and play well and this one look sharp and and I think they will. I, I really do. I think they'll be ready to play. And and I actually think K-State is going to win this game uh, and really get the good mojo going again. Well, as of Tuesday, when uh, most of you, I'd imagine, will be hearing this and the game is occurring, it will have been a month to the day since K-State won back-to-back games. So I'm, I'm with you that it's time to uh, to change that up for sure. And I hope that the 6 o'clock tip doesn't hurt the the atmosphere too much. I know that, like the early tip, I, I am appreciative of it just from a trying to get to bed and, and waking up early standpoint because I'm an old man. Um, but I do wonder about that with the crowd a little bit because, we, I mean, the crowds have still been very good. I'm not here to crowd shame at all. The student section has dwindled a little bit, but everyone's been there. The rest of the arena, it's been loud, and it's that, that's really the point. It's been loud and rowdy, and people are certainly very into it. But combination of a little bit of dwindling student attendance and then a 6 o'clock tip does have me, like, maybe slightly concerned about that it'll be a little bit you remember the oklahoma state game this year it'll be a little bit of a late arriving crowd i think from the other sections and the and the stands of the season ticket holders but the students should be there for this game and hopefully a few more of them come out for this one uh you know and fill those other sections i know they're selling ga tickets for 20 dollars a pop so if you're listening to this gobble those up and you can you know pick your seats in section 24 25 by all means get there and support these guys and try to lift them to another big win all right let's do it um 
Appreciate Cole. Appreciate Kevin Sutton for joining us today. Thanks to Jordan Foote uh, for producing this thing. And uh, of course, Holiday Distillery for supporting our podcast. Make sure and go get your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon and your 360 vodka to uh, continue to support them. It's going to wrap it up for us here on 3 Ma. Enjoy K-State Baylor, and we will talk to you soon. See you then. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.